0: Hi, everybody. Jeff Cooper here from uh, Classic Christian Rock Radio. This is The Time Machine. Our guest today is Michael Bloodgood uh, from the band Bloodgood, and uh, we've got him as a guest today. Hi, Michael. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks. That's great. Oh, somebody's phone is ringing. Is that yours?
1: (laughs) Yeah, sorry. Somebody's calling from the Seattle Opera, which is probably my son. He's actually in the opera this weekend.
0: (laughs) We'll edit that I'm just trying
1: to ditch him here.
0: Yeah, okay, you do that. I turned mine off. It always rings in the middle of something, too.
1: Uh, of course, That's okay. Yeah.
0: That'll only be on the podcast, because we don't edit the podcast. <laughs> so <laughs> Once in a while, you'll hear my dogs barking. They're on every interview I've ever done, so I, I expect them to come through for me. <laughs> so, uh, Michael, what age did you start in music?
1: Oh, well, I mean, if starting means got interested, I was about 11 years old. Uh, I think I bought my guitar about that same time, too. So I've been into it since I was a little kid. Oh, wow. Um, okay, I'm making sure my
0: recording is going. Of course. Uh, who, who or what influenced you musically?
1: Uh, that's an easy answer for me, too. Like a lot of guys my age, I was watching the Ed Sullivan show back in 1964, and the Beatles came on, and that was it for me. Mm -hmm. I saw the guitars, the hair, the girls, and I thought, yeah, that's what I want to do. And that's really, it literally changed my life. I mean, and and most guys that I grew up with, too, we all went out and bought what we could afford, which wasn't very good. But, you know, guitars, basses, even drums, and get a lot of money, maybe an organ or something. But that's what turned my, I I always loved music as a kid, but it was the Beatles that really got me going.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I'm a drummer, and uh, Ringo did it for me, so definitely yeah. yeah my three-piece kit <laughs> yeah <that's> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah so tell us about life growing up a little bit about your testimony
1: well i grew up down in the los angeles area although i've been up here in seattle for a majority of my life but i grew up in la, in LA and um i you know I was just kind of a typical kid i guess and i was i didn't get too much trouble yeah
0: you
1: know? mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh <laughs> when i got into high school uh I saw this gorgeous girl in, in the geometry class, mm-hmm. I think I was in eleventh grade and and I needed a girl singer for this one little talent show we were doing and I asked this girl if she could sing, she said yes, and mm-hmm. she ended up becoming my wife. Ooh, and, boy. But she was a she was a very young Christian and didn't really, you know, understand or know about, you know, evangelical dating per se, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'd, you know, I was in love and so I I'd, you know, I'd go to church with her. I wasn't too receptive to what was going on. But uh, at one point uh, in high school, I, I went to a, a little evangelist meeting they're holding at a local Baptist church, a couple blocks from where I grew up. And there's this guy named Kenny Poor. I think Kenny's still going. Mm-hmm. And he gave a message, and that's kind of when the Holy Spirit just really spoke to my heart. You know, all of a sudden I'm hearing about Jesus, you know, clearing the temple and raising Lazarus from the dead. And I yeah. thought, man, this guy's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I grew up in a liturgical church, and I kind of thought I knew about Jesus because I thought he was a five-foot-two Italian with a, <laughs> you know, with a uh, neon light over his head all the time. Yeah, and nicely and trimmed beard. <laughs> about, yeah, when I found out about the real Jesus, yeah. that really it really hit me, and that night, all by myself, three o'clock in the morning, I really felt the Lord kind of woke me up, and, and I knew I needed to give my life to Jesus, so I did. <laughs> wow. And uh, that was at what age, in your teens? I was probably 17.
0: Oh, wow. Yep. Okay. So you got involved in music and bands. Were they Christian bands at first or did you just do the old rock and roll like everybody?
1: Well, uh, I was just doing, you know, cover cover stuff with a lot of my buddies in the in, in, in high school, you yeah. know, doing I mean, everybody you can think of Chamber Brothers and mm-hmm. Beatles and Zeppelin and well not so much Zeppelin at that point, no. but um, yeah, just you know, just hard rock pop rock, you know, whatever was popular. Yes. But after I gave gave my life to Christ, I I was a little bit more involved in drama, you know, acting and stuff, in the last part of high school. And then when I got into college, um, I had a couple of the guys, uh, other players musicians, and we all just felt the desire and and calling to start doing Christian music. Mm. And uh, at that point, there really wasn't any. I mean, the only uh, Christian band I even knew about was Love Song. Yeah and that was pretty much it. Yeah. And so we we started playing coffee houses and churches uh that would have us. A lot of churches of course were under the uh the conviction that electric guitars were the tool of Satan. <laughs> so we didn't play there too often. Yeah. <laughs> and we were just doing we would rock out hymns. Yeah. Uh we would take uh, mainstream music and maybe change the lyrics a little bit, but mm-hmm. you know, we were kind of like we didn't know what we were doing, but We did it with zeal. (laughs) And then a lot of our time, of course, we'd just be sharing our testimonies, Mm -hmm. you know, with kids our age and trying to, you know, because, you know, none of us were, you know, are are maturing the Lord at that point, but we really had a zeal to share the gospel with, with, uh, you know, our peers. And that's how we did it. Mm -hmm. How did you uh, get into heavy metal? Well, it was a little bit different than most guys. I didn't grow, I mean, I grew up listening to Deep Purple and Mm -hmm. Led Zeppelin, kind of the founders, you know, of, of that whole thing. Yeah. But you know, my heart, as I just said, was really kind of more with Beatlesque and Stones and all that. But when I was uh, at at this point, I moved up into Seattle, and I was working at a a guitar shop called Bandstand East. And you know, the majority of our customers were all metalheads. You know, metal, as you probably know, is just big up here in the Northwest, Seattle specifically. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, and, and metalheads just would not listen to anything else. You know, it was metal or nothing. Right. And so a friend of mine that was also in a Christian music ministry at that time, um, we said, let's start praying that God would just lift up, uh, you know, some bands, some musicians to preach the gospel. He's metal. Because, again, Christian metal didn't exist. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the Christians had kind of uh, embraced, you know, pop in new way with Steve Taylor and people like that, but there was nothing hard and heavy and aggressive. Right. And so I I had no intentions of being involved in it at all, other than just seeing this need. And then as I began to pray, it was about a series of almost a year and a half, the Lord just made it more and more personal, and I finally realized, I'm a slow learner, that God wanted me to do it. Yeah. And I thought, whoa. And so I didn't really, I wasn't really all that familiar with really what was happening at that time uh, in the metal area. So I had a friend of mine that ran a music store, music warehouse back in the day, and I said, give me your top. Best-selling heavy metal records, mm-hmm. whatever they are, mm-hmm. and so she gave me Dio and Priest, yeah, you know, and you know, and I and Maiden, and you know all the guys that were happening at that point, and I just took I took home the records or cassettes, whatever they were, and just started listening to it, and I just thought I love this, yeah, I mean I just I mean Dio especially Dio yeah. Ronnie James Dio, that voice. And I just, I just, oh man! And his bass player became one of my influences as far as tone, tonality, and stuff. Yeah. And I just got into it and just started praying. And our first drummer, J.T. Taylor, just gotten off the road, and I kind of shared, you know, this vision I had, if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. And he was really excited about it. Again, didn't really have any intentions of be in it himself. So the two of us would meet on Thursday nights for a long time and just pray about this, you know, that God would lift up these players. And again, same thing happened. He said, I think God wants me to do it. So we literally just started praying for the rest of the band. And that's where Dave Zafiro came in. Dave was a good friend of both of ours. JT and David had actually been in a band together. Yeah, uh, Crystal City Rockers, which is a real new, wavy type of thing. I saw them back in the day, by the way. (laughs) Oh, wow. I did,
0: yeah. I have a tape somewhere. I've got to find it. I was talking to a friend up here. I've got a tape of them somewhere uh yeah i've got to find it <laughs> that's
1: great right. yeah blackmail right yeah <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty and so, good <laughs> and I'm, so, I'm good friends with all the guys you know yeah. they're, they're still up here in the seattle area rob mm-hmm. cochran all yeah. these guys so um anyway david was one of my customers at the guitar shop and i knew what a shredder he was i knew he's a great player and i always thought it was like what's he doing in this this pop band you know, this, this yeah. you know wave band and that's kind of when he got off the road with Crystal City, it was kind of the same thing. So, again, shared the vision with him. We started praying about it. Mm-hmm. Then we just started rehearsing just uh, secular tunes. We are just covering Van Halen or whoever just to get our chops up. Yeah. And uh, and then I finally put out an ad in the, the Rocket Magazine, which is the local music rag down here during the day, or in that day. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I put something like, uh, Christian heavy metal singer needed, well-grounded in the word. Yeah. And uh, I'm telling you, I could have done a sitcom with the people that answered that ad. It was just a riot. I mean, guys are coming in with their cardigan sweaters and stuff. And I go, do you know what I'm, what I'm trying to do here? And I, well, I would put on Dio's Let's Rock through the church, not the church, through the <laughs> stores PA. And they'd all kind of look at me like a deer in the headlights. Like, well, I can't do that. Well, that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. And uh, Les came in finally, and mm-hmm. I did the same thing. And he just goes, yeah, I can do that.
0: Yeah.
1: Not a problem. I'm going, really? Yeah. And, and so, again, I'm, I'm giving you the Reader's Digest version. Oh, yeah. And literally the four of us ended up meeting at a local coffee shop in Seattle, shook hands, and greeted to the bat. Well, I hadn't heard Les sing. He hadn't see, heard us play. Mm-hmm. But we were that convicted yeah. that this is what God was leading us to do. And, again, it was it, d- it didn't exist at that point. Yeah. You know, I didn't, nobody was doing it. I had a lot of Christians that thought I was crazy. My pastor, I asked him, and he said, go for it, dude. You know, Wayne Taylor. Mm-hmm. And he said, yeah, do it. And so I did. And uh, you know, Les said, "Hey, let's not do cover tunes. Let's just we started writing our own material." And then uh, Striper was. Then all of a sudden, I saw Striper on TVN, mm-hmm. and that and that's what I realized. Oh, this is like a something's going on yeah. because I didn't know what Striper was, and I heard about Messiah Prophet band on the East Coast, mm-hmm. and and then eventually Baron Cross. And I said, "Well, none of us knew each other," and I said, "This is just God doing something yeah, like really. a Jesus only for metal." Yeah. And so anyway, Striper was coming up here. The local promoter didn't want to use a mainstream act, which is what Striper has done. Uh, you know, he says, hey, I'm the only Christian promoter up here, and I don't have some club band dropping the F-bomb, And you know. yeah. So he came and heard us play about three songs into our Set. He goes, you guys are on the bill. Wow. And that's kind of how it all started. We opened up for Striper and Billingham, not too far from you. Yes, and you know what? Our, I was there. <laughs> oh, no kidding? I, oh, that's great.
0: I saw you guys. In the washroom, putting on your makeup, yeah. <laughs> and I was looking, going, "What on earth's going on?" Then I didn't realize, "Hey, you guys! Hey, that's the band!" Because <laughs> I didn't know yeah, what was know. going on. It was my first metal, Christian metal concert, and I'll yeah, never well, forget it. It was in Bellingham. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, I think. Well, I think that was the first Christian metal concert period in the old <laughs> it, it, Northwest. It had to be. <laughs> yeah, and I mean the fact that we even got to go on was a miracle because certain yeah. of the striper set collapsed and. And we thought, well, that's it. We're off the bill. And uh, they said, no, 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 no. You guys, we still want you to play. Yeah. And so we did our first set at, at Buildingham. Uh, Less uh, Timmy Gaines led Less's uh, son to the Lord in the parking lot of that show. Wow. I mean, it was it was a very incredible time then. And then they went, I think, played with Portland with Saint. hmm And then came back to uh, the Paramount Theater in Seattle, yep. and that's we we played the second show. Wow. With them there and that's you know, that's kinda of how it all started happening.
0: Amazing. I liked your analogy, uh Jesus movement for metal. definitely was. Uh it was. And talking about Baron Cross, I saw them up here, they were in a bar, and it was just incredible. A Christian metal band in a bar, and then they're praying with people later. In a bar. Yeah. You know? That's
1: yeah. was Jesus' movement
0: for sure. And I think Oh yeah,
1: and in fact I know the people that own that bar. It turned that was actually a Christian couple. Really. It had gotten saved. Les's band uh, before Carlson Masick used to play there. They were like the house band. Wow. So it's kind of cool how God just kind of orchestrated. That was Meeker's Landing, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, great great stuff.
0: You know, unbelievable. And uh, I hope we have something like that coming up in the future, you know, uh, Jesus' movement like that just terrific yep. so you touched a little bit on it uh, the difference between a christian band and a band made of christians uh, what in your opinion is the difference
1: well yeah
0: uh, <laughs> 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 it's
1: funny to say that yeah most of the most of the guys this is my blank is most of the guys that say we're not a christian band we're a band with christians yeah don't have the guts to be a christian band right that's what i found i i agree and uh, you know, and the only you know, the only flagship that they ever had was King's X, and we kind of know what, how that went. Yeah, and I think the only band, truly from my experience that I've ever seen that is a a band of Christians, not a Christian band, is probably Switchfoot. Yeah, they're doing it right. They're doing it right. I'm a huge fan. Yeah. I've seen them yeah. many, many, many times, yeah. and I just, you know, if, in fact, here's a little tidbit for you: Jerome, mm-hmm. the keyboard player, mm-hmm. his band opened up for us at the Whiskey A Go Go back in the '80s. Oh oh wow I think I think they were called mortal I think that was mortal yeah Yeah. anyway that was so funny but uh, most of these guys it's just to me it's a cop out and that I mean I'm not saying everybody's cop out but in my experience uh, everybody that has taken that stance is just copping they're just copping out yeah that's what that's been my experience yeah but you know that's just my experience. So. Yeah,
0: and it's it's a yeah I know, and it's a sad thing when they you know they later say no we don't want to be known as that. Well, they go out of their way to some bands they go out of their way to say I don't want to be known as a Christian right. band. Well, what does that mean
1: exactly? Right? I mean, you don't want to be yeah. known as a Christian, you know? I mean, well, you know, I, I understand. You know, a lot of guys, especially now, they don't want to get pigeonholed or right. whatever. You know, yeah. I I kind of get that, but at the same time, mm. if Jesus is Lord of your life, Amen. it's just. Con- it's going to come out, man. That's right. You, know, you, can't, help can it, right? Help you can't help yeah, it, right? <laughs> you can't help it. Yeah, yeah. And if, and if you can't help it, you need to question your salvation. That's uh, right. You sure do.
0: <laughs> so, thinking back to what kind of pressure? Okay, you're a pastor now, but what kind of pressure did the church put on you as a band or Christian musicians in
1: general that you're aware of? Well, uh, you know. When I say the, the, the church, I use that in quotation marks because mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that are professing Christians that I really wonder if they are. Yeah. Because, you know, right when we set out on our 87 detonation tour, you know, Jimmy Swagger had slammed us and pretty much everybody else in the Christian industry. Yeah. You know, he called us all homosexuals without a prayer life. Mm-hmm. And, of course, our joke was, well, how does he know about our prayer life? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we had a lot of protesters for the first couple of years. Yeah. You know, we had people. You know, we had death threats out there. I mean, it was just—it was kind of crazy. Yeah. Uh, we played very, very few churches. I mean, I could probably, on one hand, name the amount of churches that we actually played. So we were basically in clubs, yeah. in venues, and halls, and uh, a majority of the church didn't know what to do with this or didn't want to have anything to do with this. I mean, we couldn't get a gig in the South to mm. save our lives. Yeah. Except, except Florida, which of course I never counted as the South. Of <laughs> Texas. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but everybody else, no, we were the spawn of Satan, so you know we didn't have a lot of that. So I mean, we had a lot of that pressure, which is, you know, it's fun to laugh about, but it was really very sad yeah, when you think about exactly. it. Exactly, yeah. A that, that kind of division, you know, yeah. that was happening. So that was
0: basically North America, because I know in Canada it was the same kind of thing. We had it up here, you know. Yeah. Uh, Striper, they looked like. You know, girls, whatever they would say, they put them down. to yeah. uh, that hard, heavy metal, evil, Satan's music. So, I guess that did that lead you over to Europe, or is that part of? Was that part well, of that?
1: You know, we Christians, we've always had this this thing that we like to we like to spiritualize our prejudices. Yeah, you know, and and think, well, I don't like it, so therefore Jesus must not like it. Right. And you know, you got to be very careful because the churches that uh, turn their back in the Jesus movement didn't want those dirty barefoot hippies in their church No, a lot of the churches died out yeah and the churches that said i don't care if they have long hair if they're barefoot come on in you know mm-hmm. jesus loves them too yeah and that's kind of where the whole calvary chapel movement came out of a lot of uh, things came out of that Yeah. so um the surprise to us in europe was there was none of that wow uh you know we we got to england first and played at you know at a festival and it was like none of that existed and then all of a sudden we're going to germany all the Scandinavian countries Ireland mm-hmm. and they just saw us basically as a white metal band right we were a metal band with positive lyrics so you'd grab like metal hammer and some of these uh, magazines and we'd be right there you know right next to you know to to made yeah. or, or or to Meta- or to megadeth yeah. or, or Meta- you know yeah. they didn't see us they, they just saw us as a and so we had no problem and that's why even to this day most of our gigs are overseas yeah yeah. We still have a, a really strong fan base over in the Scandinavian countries, mm-hmm. uh, Germany especially, and so yeah, it's they've never had that wall here. There's no such thing as Christian radio. No, you know the Christian radio stations wouldn't play us. They still don't play us <laughs> to this day. No, you know, <laughs> and of course, you yeah, know, yeah. and the irony is the the secular metal metal stations don't want to play us because we're Christian. So it's kind of yeah. ironic. Yeah. But that's just kind of how it goes. Well,
0: and we, we have a lot of listeners over there, so it's good. We can, uh, we've can we got lots of, with internet radio, we're all over the world, so it's yes. pretty cool with that. And uh, you're right. reminded, we just did the Daryl Mansfield special, and some of that came up yes. in his conversations, too. Um, that in Europe, he was known as a blues harp player. They didn't say he was a Christian rocker, and he was exactly. very popular and famous yes. over there as a blues yeah. rock and musician.
1: Right, right, and of course you probably know that Daryl has a big part of the Blood Good history when he yes, first started. Yes, exactly. You produced so, your first album, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I used to, you know, Daryl is a, he's a one-man band. Usually, maybe he'll come up with his Eric or somebody, but he always looks for an opening band yeah. or a band that can back him up. And In the in college, and and after college, I was in a, a my my band was called Cypress, and we played with Daryl. I can't many, many, many times. So Daryl and I became. Good friends had him over to the house for dinner several times, mm-hmm. and he's one of the first guys I shared that I think God's trying to call this heavy metal. Yeah, and he just goes, "Oh, are you sure?" <laughs> <laughs> he goes, "You know what you're in for." I go, "Well, no, but I mm-hmm. want to do it anyway." Yeah, and he, you know, he said, "Well, you need to start another band from scratch," and you know, and da 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 da, mm-hmm. and of course we opened up for him after Striper. Yeah. in in Puyallup. Yeah and he just loved the band and he knew me mm-hmm. and so he grabbed our metal missionary you know ep that we had put out yeah. and took you know put the cassette down to uh to LA or orange county and mm-hmm. you know you know 6 weeks later we were signed wow
0: that's awesome so yeah. yeah so he produced it and uh tweaked all the knobs told you what he wanted to hear you do and what you were capable of and uh, a good coach he I'm was sure. more
1: like he was more like the uh, like guy you know, what's his face They did nirvana he kind of just let us do what we did that's good you know Doug Doyle was engineering God rest his soul he just passed away last year yeah uh, and so you know and so he was just letting us kind of do what we did and of course you know he would tweak stuff and hey let's do this or he'd help us with a song order. On the album and stuff but yeah he was just we had so much fun with him yeah what
0: a great yeah for sure what other artists did you share the stage with
1: well uh you know obviously striper we've been talking about and you know in the early days we were kind of out we were kind of blazing the trail there was really nobody out there yeah doing much uh we did play with messiah prophet band uh, we shared the bill um, with those guys um, a brand new band called Bride opened up For us in <laughs> Kentucky. You know yeah uh, of course we we, we played with um, you know Baron Cross yeah. on the West coast and then now when, when later when, later we started playing festivals and you know, we we're playing with everybody but you know yeah it doesn't really count yeah no. you know we became good friends with the Garmo and Key and Milo and Lefevre and guys just because we're we kept sharing the same stage yeah but playing you know uh, sometimes we grab a, a local band and uh you know so it was, it was very hit and miss yeah. with, with that so we didn't really see a lot of those guys until we started doing festivals yeah and uh,
0: cornerstone and was a uh, highlights i'm sure um your live albums you got four of them uh where was yeah. one of them at cornerstone or just uh, are or the
1: in europe Sat- sadly no mm-hmm. um uh, Cornerstone was a life changer for us because we had just gone through some, you know, pretty hellacious touring at that point, and we got to, we got to. Was it Grays Lake? Right, I think. Mm-hmm. the Original Cornerstone. Anyway, and it was just, you know, we just as soon as we got there, you just sense the presence of the Lord. Yeah, and then you know, uh, uh, Glenn and Wendy come back to meet us, and and uh, we're we're doing one of the side stages, but you know, in, in one of the hangars, mm-hmm. and. When our time comes, they announce us, we go out there, and the place was absolutely packed from the front to the back out into the field. Wow. And we were just blown away. Yeah. And this, we, In fact, it's, it pops up on our Facebook. There's somebody who held a sign that says, we love blood good. Yeah. And Because we've gotten so much <laughs> of the opposite, you know, mm-hmm. we've been playing. Yeah. And got through some really h- r- rough stuff. Yeah. And so it was just like, oh, we just loved it.
0: Well, it's good. And, and
1: yeah. after the... After the show, Wendy goes. You know, we have two kinds of bands come here: those that have been baptized in water, and those that have been baptized in fire. Mm-hmm. You guys have been baptized in fire, right on.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and we went back to Cornerstone year after year after year until I think maybe ninety-one or ninety-two. Yeah, you know. So we have that. We love going to Cornerstone. Yeah, we
0: love it. Well, it's great to go where there's a crowd that knows what's coming and aren't uh, and and they're there to see you. You know.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah.
0: Some of the local concerts they. Uh, People just go because it's youth night and have no idea what's coming on the stage. So some of those have been disastrous for other bands, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, and you know, it's very schizophrenic out there because you know, we we played the Odium in Chicago, it was sold out Mm -hmm. and then the next night we're in Saint Louis and there's four people there. Yeah. You know, I mean you just you had to you know, you had to just go, Hey man, you know, we we do it the Van Halen way, you know. No matter if there's four people or four million people, you just play, man. Yeah. Because these four people, they pay ten bucks to see or whatever it is, and you can, you know, you want to give them the show. Yeah. You want to preach the gospel. You know, we've had times where you know the bartender comes up after the show and wants to know about Jesus. So you just never know. That's right. Yeah. Who's out there? That, who's out there? So right. you just, you know, the Lord's
0: out there. So you go for yeah. it. Yeah. You know? That's the way it is. Yep. Yeah, you could have a thousand people in a crowd, and four people come to the Lord, and that's just yeah. as exciting as if the only four people came to the Lord that were
1: at the concert. Still four people. <laughs> yeah <laughs> right so exactly yeah and you don't you don't know who they are what they're going to become no you don't you know yeah they, i mean the guy that led les carlson to, to, to the lord was you know a, a keyboard player in his band and you know and look what happened you know yeah. I mean, you know it's awesome you know there's an old story this is the pastor coming out yeah a guy used to bow through his students his young students before he would start class and somebody goes what what are you doing that? Why are you doing these are kids, these are students? He goes, I don't know who these men are gonna grow these boys are gonna grow up to be. Well one of them was Martin Luther. Wow. So he goes, Yeah, you don't know if Billy Graham could be sitting out there yeah. or Charles Spurgeon or I mean, you don't know, you know. exactly, exactly so. right. Exactly right. Yeah.
0: Do you prefer live or studio work?
1: Um, I well, I love live because you never know what's gonna happen. Um, it's you know it's like a one in a time event that you and that band, those people never be there the same. You don't know what the Lord's going to do, or you know. And so I I I love playing live, but it, they're two different animals. Yeah. Um, I love the studio work too. You know you're under a you know microscope and you know you're dialed in and it's very exciting as well. And you know playing the tracks back and trying to tweak stuff. But I mean if I was to do one or the other, I would you know. Well, I don't know. I love playing live. Let's yeah, just put it
0: that way. Absolutely. <laughs> Plus the theatrical uh, way that you guys perform. I saw the YouTube yeah. that was just put out from the '80s, and it's just unbelievable. I forgot how how good you guys were in the theatrics and and putting in the you know it's yeah. the rock star poses, but for the Lord in the right way, and just. Adds so much to the story that you're telling us yeah. about
1: the Lord. Well, you know, we hadn't seen we hadn't seen the Pottstown thing. It's just you know we we republished it on on our website yeah. or on Facebook. Yeah, and we were laughing like, I, "Who are these guys?" Yeah. <laughs> I told Leslie, "Go, you know what? I'm a fan of these guys because <laughs> we we kind of forgotten too. You know, that that footage is what 30 some years old yeah. or whatever. Yeah, and I thought, oh yeah, it was really yeah. We were we, it was exciting. Yeah, you know, it's just exciting. Even in the documentary, we kind of talk, it, it's almost like you're not there. Yeah. You're doing this stuff, and, and you that's me. But you're just going, I, I guess I was there because there I am. <laughs> there you, you are. Know? And it's like <laughs> the Lord is doing all this stuff. Yeah. And you're almost oblivious to it in some ways. Yeah and and, uh, so it's like it's almost like watching it as an outsider sometimes you know when you look at even though that's you up there you know it's like wow you know (laughs) it's really fun
0: (laughs) well it could you know definitely be a um a textbook for bands starting out i think to watch that and see this is how it's done it's it's that good it's that good um thank you yeah absolutely um so I had a question. Oh, you touched on your documentary movie. So tell us a bit about that, how it came about, and what, uh, where can we see it?
1: Well, um, how it came about is through my son. Uh, all three of my sons are professional ballet dancers. And My oldest son just retired last year, mm-hmm. and so he uh, film is his passion. And so he'd done, he done a short film already uh, that focused on ballet, and he wanted to transition into film. So he started thinking about topics to do, how we should approach it. And then I don't know if he came up with the idea or somebody else said, well, you, you know, or, you know, it's like writing a song. Yeah. You write a song about what you know about. Yeah. He goes, well, I know a lot about my dad's band. I mean, he toured with us for all those years. He grew up on the road. Les is, and, and you know, they're like family to him yeah. in many ways. Yeah. And so he says, well, I'm going to do that. So he started just you know watching documentaries. And you figure out how he's going to lay it out, how he's how he going to shoot it. You know, he got a grant to help buy a camera, and and that stuff. And then um, uh, back and forth came out the Foo Fighters mm-hmm. documentary, and it debuted at the Paramount Theater in Austin, Texas, which is where he lives. And uh, James Mole came out, who's the who directed and produced it, and he just saw it. And he goes, "That's what I want. That I mean, I love the way James cut it. I, I like the interest. I like the shots, I like the lighting, and so." Uh, somehow and I never got the story right, he ends up getting in touch with James Moult. Hmm. And so he gets James on the phone eventually, kinda of tells him his idea, and James first of all realizes, okay, this guy's an artist, he you know, he's a professional dancer, you know, he's not just talking to a star crazed fan or whatever. Yeah. And so he like and he talks about the band and he goes, Really it's your dad's band? So, you know, he's on the internet and he's like okay, okay, it's a legitimate okay, your dad this is a legitimate band and gosh, it's weird, but you're his son. And he goes, Well, you know, that's kind of a cool spin. <laughs> I mean, how many guys can do that? And, of course, you know the subject so well. And so what ended up happening is James started mentoring Paul, my son, uh, while he's doing the documentary. Well, it was like a five-year project. And then as it's coming to a close to where the documentary is finally getting finished, James is helping him edit it and stuff. And, oh, that's a nice scene, but it has nothing to do with it. I mean, he's really mentoring through this process. And he finally said, you know, Paul talks about distribution, or getting this and here and there, and then James goes, well, I want to be a part of this movie. I want to be the executive producer. And we're going, mm-hmm. okay, Grammy Award winning, <laughs> you, know, you know, Oscar winning, okay, I guess we'll let you on board, yeah. you know. So James liked it that much where he came on as the executive producer. Mm-hmm. And so, and the reason you haven't seen it yet, uh, the the documentary film industry is, is you know, it's a, 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 a life unto itself. Yeah, And so, what happens once that thing is filmed and finished and in the can, you begin distributing it to the film uh, festivals all over the world. Right. Which is a very expensive process, by the way. Some of these guys, yeah. they take a lot of money yeah. just for you to have somebody look at it. Mm. And so, long story short, which of course it hasn't happened because I'm a pastor, <laughs> um, you know, it, it gets accepted at about 17 festivals, I think, something like that, yeah. uh, all over the world. Uh, you know, Australia, England, all over the states, blah, 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 Spain. And uh, he, uh, Paul ends up getting, you know, 13 acolytes, awards for the for the movie. Wow. And so, but that is about a year and a half process. Yeah. And so it just finished the film circuit of July of 2018. And now it's in the, uh, the, the the lawyers are here, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and we're doing, or he is. I mean, I always tell people, this movie is about blood, but it's not my movie. Right. It's not our movie. Yeah. You know, it's his his move. Bloody good pictures. Yes. You yeah. So, anyway, <laughs> so it's just kind of in that process yeah. because in Europe, um, you don't really get a distribution deal. You get a jobber, a guy that goes out to, to distribute it for you on behalf of you. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so that's happening. Uh, a company in Spain's doing that, and then in the states, they don't care about hard copies. It's all about streaming. Yeah. So yeah. if you're talking, you know, Hulu and uh, Netflix yeah. and Amazon Prime and that whole deal. So that's kind of where it's at now. Yeah. I think Europe, to my understanding, Europe has been, it's it's solid. It's going to happen. Uh, we're still waiting on the streaming here, and when it hits, it hits. Yeah. Uh, that being said, um, Paul is just finished his uh, second playback of uh, um, of the Blu-ray version because mm-hmm. you you have to render all this stuff and then you have to send it out to the manufacturer. He has to press it. You have to bring it back, and you have to watch it, make sure there's no glitches. Yeah. Uh, he's having a little bit of trouble, I think, with the 5.1 on the on the Blu-ray copy for some reason. Uh-huh. So you have to go through all this process, like making a record, right? Yeah. You have to back and forth, back and forth. But he's telling me that, uh, you know, with that happening, that this should be physically distributed uh, to the Kickstarter people, obviously, and, and it will be on our site and his site and blah, blah, blah. Uh, no later. Well, I shouldn't even say no later because there's still no <laughs> concrete date. No, late summer or fall. There you go, folks. <laughs> it, should, it shouldn't take. All the artwork is done. It's in the can. Yeah. Obviously, the movie is done. He had to, of course. He, he had to. The other thing when you do a movie, you have to do subtitles. Yeah. That's required. So he had to, you know, he had to subtitle it in, in you know, in, in Spanish, of course, and English and so and then of course everything has to be 5.1 you know and that Dave Zafiro is actually the guy that that did the mastering in the 5.1 yeah. for the movie which is awesome <clears throat> yeah and so anyway all that is you know this is just kind of how this industry works yeah it's not fast and furious like making a record no. you know, make a record in four weeks and get it out but, you know two weeks later so that's what it is so everybody needs to be patient we've had to be pa- I haven't even seen no. all, the, all the deleted scenes and yeah. stuff like that that's going to be on Blu-ray yeah. I guess so I'm you know, I'm hoping I like those. Yeah. I'm not sure. Put all the put all
0: the deleted scenes at the end, like everybody else, and have a blooper reel, right?
1: Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, probably he's got enough footage. He has, I don't know, like 50 <laughs> hours of footage because we didn't know what the questions were going to be, yeah, and we were not allowed to talk to any other band members oh. about what the questions were or even how we answered them. So everything you're seeing, it's it's the real deal. Wow, you know, yeah, we are all different parts of the country or different parts of the state or whatever. And, and and he edited it together, so you know, it was just as big a surprise to me as it was to anybody. But we've been obviously very happy with the movie and just blown away by the accolades and we and you know, I've got to see the movie shown three or four times live and just hearing the audience's reaction. It's just been really, really great. we really excited. That's, great. About it. that's good. Uh your most recent
0: studio album, "Dangerously Close," which I guess we can yep. still refer to as your latest, newest album, it's still uh, it very current. Uh, <laughs> how did that come about? How it was what? How many years since the one before that it was well, over?
1: T- about twenty-two years. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so what happened I mean, there?
1: <laughs> I think we we finished <clears throat> we finished all stand together in ninety one, I believe. Yeah. And that was our last studio. And of course, we've done a lot of live stuff and whatever yeah. between that. Yeah. But. Um, it just, you know, I, I retired the band in about 93, you know, be, became I started pastoring and it was just time to stop. We had kids to raise. Yeah. And uh, so a lot of time went by. Um, and so it wasn't until, you know, I put the band back together in 2007 mm-hmm. that we started talking about, obviously, hey, let's do a record. Yeah. And, and at that point, of course, I had asked Oz Fox into the band. Yes. And uh, I wanted to get his input as a writer, because, you know, he doesn't really get much of a say in, in Stripe no. when it comes to writing. I think he only has one writing credit to my knowledge. Well. And, uh, you know, I'd heard some of his stuff, and i go, okay, let's do that. Yeah. And so, of course, Oz came on, he co-wrote three songs with Les, mm-hmm. you know, Child Earth and Earth, several others, and uh, we just started, we didn't know what we were going to do, because it had, been, it had been, you know, two decades plus since we'd been in the studio together. Yeah. So we, none of us really kind of knew what to expect. You know, of course, we're all rehearsing each other's songs. I, I co-wrote a song with Dave Zafiro. Mm-hmm. When I was in Nashville, at the same time, I co-wrote a song with Chris Eddy. and I don't know. Chris Eddy is Dwayne Eddy, the famous guitar player. So okay, yeah. So that was exciting for me. Yeah, you know, I was I, I was playing Dwayne Eddy stuff, you know, as a kid. Me too. <laughs> you know, I mean, who, who didn't play Rebel Routes. You bet. I mean, that was the song, it was a standard
0: band. in every garage band. Yeah.
1: yeah. And to make people really jealous, I actually have a signed 1967 Gretsch pickguard with it with his signature on it. His autograph. Oh, I'm jealous. Addressed yeah. to me. Wow. So that's one of my. Price possessions, uh, say the least. Wow, I love Dwayne <laughs> Eddy, for sure. Oh yeah, yeah, man, he's the man. Yeah. And so, so we got into the studio, um, and we, you know, we just started tracking stuff, and, and you know, I, I, we did stuff we'd never done before. We had I don't know, eight different guitars on that record. I didn't want to just go in there, Les Paul, Marshall Stead, mm-hmm. you know, the usual stuff. So, you know, I brought in, <clears throat> you know, a lot of my guitars. Yeah you know, Epiphones and, you know, Brickenbackers and just different, different things. Mm-hmm. And the Guitars as well, as, as did Paul. Paul's got a good collection as well. Yeah. And we brought in three different amp heads, and we wanted to give it a lot of textures and depth that we weren't able to ever have before. Yeah. And, I you know, I think it works. You know, yeah. I, I, I like it. sonically. I'm very, very happy with that record. And you know, I came, David came in to master it, mm-hmm. and he's got golden ears. He sure does. And Mark was our engineer a really talented guy. And, of course, Paul Jackson did the majority of the producing. And so, yeah, I, we were just really happy. Now we're, you know, we're getting ready to start. You know, we're starting to write now for another record because, we you know, we don't, we're we not ready to stop oh, yet. Oh,
0: great. That's <laughs> awesome. Just getting started again. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what are, what are some of your favorite songs to play?
1: Uh, to play live? Um, of course, you know, we love Crucify Messiah. That's been our bread and butter for, you know, with, with Holy Fire. It, seven is a blast. Yeah. Uh, never never be the same yeah it's a really fun song to play mm-hmm. and I, I get really challenged by some of our speed metal stuff because yeah. you know whoa yeah I mean I look at it and I go dang mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know we usually close off every song with black snake or every show oh, rather. good. yeah and so and and I what's fun now because we've have so many records out we can really kind of pick and choose yeah. you know, oh let's do this one or let's not do this one anymore yeah. you know and I love you know one thing I've always loved about my band and you know, again my, is I love vocals yeah I both you know I grew up on the Beatles I love background vocals and that's one thing that we've always done as a band is you know all four of us can sing yes and so we just we love you know we love doing that I love you know you know what's falling the grave again or the Messiah or "Runaway," or whatever where we're all just you know we're just all hitting it and that's a lot of
0: fun to play I love doing that Yeah. what's falling the grave is probably one of my favorites along with seven and uh, well I like them all (laughs) I love them all Right from oh, the good. first uh, yeah. "Demon on the Run" and "Killing the Beast," I was yeah. there right from the start. I even have your—I do have your cassette. The EP. Wow! I I, went, I must have wow. grabbed it at your concert because I've still got it here, Middle Michigan. Yeah, you know, I mean
1: that was the only place you could get it. Yeah. Mean, we did a very late mail order back in the day, which we we did. Yeah. you know, but uh, pretty much it was a year at the concert yeah. to get that.
0: And they re-released it as a CD <laughs> as well, late in the last couple. Yeah, of Yeah,
1: yeah, we re-released it on a 25th anniversary, which has been a few years now too. <laughs> Just you know, with uh, with the interviews on it that we did back in the day, yeah. and and it's so, it's so much more sonically pleasing now because of the remastering and not be on yeah. a, a hissy set anymore. Exactly. Speaking of
0: remastering, okay, there's the, I've re, just remastered two of your uh, albums um, which one's worthy now? There's um,
1: well, we re- uh, detonation. Because when I
0: say we, yeah.
1: we. The only master, the only album that we have remastered yeah. was detonation. That's
0: the one. Edition. Okay, so there. That's the remaster. Yeah. There's a re-release of another
1: of your first album as well. It's just, the first album just came out. I have not heard that. Yeah, they've remastered. Walking a hard foot They've remastered. It at one point or another. All these records, yeah. And but again, uh, nothing really had to do with us except for special edition. Okay, that was that was our baby from exactly
0: day one. And uh, was yeah. David involved with all of them, or is he the, the he's the remaster
1: master? Or yeah, he's the remaster master, and of course he's playing on the record, obviously. Of course. And uh, my son again, Paul Michael came in and did all the artwork. Yeah. You know, it's a 12-page uh, booklet that's in there. We found some of the original artwork before it was even finished. You know, we're not even in it and stuff, which we thought we thought was interesting anyway. Yeah, yeah. Because even, even how we found that album cover was, was kind of off the beaten path. But So, yeah, and then um, David, we gave David, you know, the lead way to do his thing, and we were just, like, blown away yeah. at the, what he did with his software and everything like that. I mean, all of a sudden, man, there's the bass, there's the kick drums, it was like, to me, it literally, it was like listening to the album for the first time. I was just... That's great. Just loved it. And then, of course, we stumbled upon the uh, Live in Sacramento tracks, the bonus tracks yeah. that are there. uh uh-huh. We kind of moan about them, uh, and we had them up on Reverb Nation uh, a while ago. You could download it. Yeah. And, uh And then we said, let's cherry pick what we think are the three best thing tracks on that, and you know, that's what ended up on, on Special Edition. Terrific. And uh, and again, David did his remastering on that. So yeah, we're really 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 happy with how that turned yeah. out. And they can get them through the website, or um, I think yeah yeah, yeah. they're on our, they're on our Facebook store, and they're just on our what to, you know Bloodgoodband There you go. All that stuff there yep. best way to get it. And you take PayPal, I think as well. Oh yeah. yeah. How can you not take PayPal <clears throat> no? Exactly. That's how I get <laughs>
0: things so good. So yep. good for people to That's know fine. how to get a hold of that. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So let's see now, so yeah, you've answered a lot of things I was going to ask you just from in talking so it's great um,
1: studio musicians yeah. solo albums, I'm kind of hyping it up on my front of yeah, me I mean, too, yeah <laughs> I'm looking
0: back and forth because I jump back and forth yeah. when we change topics, okay, well what right. is in store for you guys, you're going to do another album you're on a tour, yep. or you just came back from a, a short tour and you've yes. got some more coming up and you told me you're hopefully uh, doing something in the fall as well or is there yes. Yeah. yeah.
1: Sure. Uh, let I mean, I want to say nothing's you know final final, no. uh, we've been invited to play in uh, in northeastern India. Right on uh, in April. Uh, so we're really looking forward to that. Um, when we were doing our our California tour recently, uh, we had a booking or a promoter in the audience. Uh, he just retired. Mm-hmm. But uh, we did uh, our experiment when we were in a little town called Visalia. We did the album, or we did a live uh, show. But we also we. Preceded it with the documentary. Wow. To see how it would go. It was a hard ticketed event. We didn't know if any would come mm-hmm. or what the reaction would be, and it was just over the top. Awesome. And he just loved that. So uh, we are currently, or he is currently, shopping us to some uh, booking agents to book this documentary with a live band and even a QA we could do. You know, we're throwing away all sorts of different ideas. Even, That's great. Even doing fly updates with just the movie and a QA. That'd or be great. Just all sorts of. Instead of just a traditional hey we're a yeah. rock band we're gonna put the whiskey or whatever, yeah. is you know now churches might be interested in mm-hmm. and were mm-hmm. I mean those those two gigs are both in churches yeah. and uh, and so I and mean, it just it just went over well so that so we're just kind of in you know okay what does God have we all of us feel that there's a wave coming yeah so we're all kind of lining our lives up for it and just getting ready you know with our jobs or whatever and just to see you know what God's gonna do you know I mean we don't know that's true you have to just you know when, when you're in ministry, you just never know what's coming around the corner. Exactly. So,
0: <laughs> I remember now. I didn't get to touch a bit on your solo work. Um, do you still right. plan to do some more of that kind of like comes when uh, the Lord leads you? Um, you've done a couple solo albums and a worship album, I believe.
1: Yeah. Well, personally, I've only done one solo okay. album. It's called uh, Mike Good and Friends. Okay. Yeah, the cross changes everything. Yeah. That is that. It's again how interesting it is, but you know, at the church that I pastor, I I do the worship leading as well, and I have this habit of taking worship songs and changing them, adding guitar hooks, just kind of changing them, making it a little bit more modern, or maybe a little bit more palatable to people that don't know them that well, and so uh, the the other guitar player in the worship band says, you know what, I've got a studio, why don't you come over here, let's start tracking these songs, because if you told me you were doing... You know uh whatever brand x song and i listen to whoever did it and we go on sunday you're not even doing anything like that you know <laughs> other than the melody maybe yeah so yeah that's a good idea so that's kind of how it started and then as we started fleshing out the record I that's probably a bad word to use with christianity but, <laughs> you know it, it started taking shape it kind of started taking a life of its own yeah and it was well, this is kind of cool yeah and then in the middle of that, I didn't want to get into this. But, you know, I got really sick in 2005. I lost my voice. Yeah. It's a long story. Yeah. And then that's when all of a sudden the Anne Friends thing. I mean, I was I wasn't going to play everything. I did most of the playing, a lot of the tracks. Mm-hmm. So we brought in, you know, we brought in, uh, you know, a guy to do Hammond B3, you know, on uh, Oh Happy Day. And then my friend Jeffrey McCormick, yeah. who is currently the drummer for Q5 and uh, House of Lords and stuff mm-hmm. like. Great player and very good singer. He doesn't sing very often, which is a shame. Yeah. And so it just, and then my son came in, and Paul Michael came in to play, uh, to sing, and he's also a really good Ringo-style drummer, right speaking to the yeah. Beatles. And so it just started kind of growing into this, this morphing into this project. Yeah. And uh, then we, at that point, we had a, a manager, and he, re, he, because we didn't have any new product out at this point, he says we're going to put this out as a record. I go, no, oh, <laughs> hang on, hang on, you know what? <laughs> what are you saying? Yeah. And so, all of a sudden, it got serious. And we brought in Rick Smith, who's you know worked with Guns N' Roses yeah. and Heart and stuff like, that to kind of master and help mix, yeah. and it turned and turned into to that solo record. Wow. And so that's how that came about. So it wasn't really anything that I set out to do. No. Yeah, it's obviously very eclectic because you know I brought in all the Bloodgood guys to do two of the songs, which are very metal, yeah. and I've got something in there that I literally it's you know it's the guitar solo from from you know from George Harrison and one of the songs is very <laughs> Beatles. So it was, just a, it was a very typical first solo album where you want to do all your influences, all the things you love in one record. And that's yeah, kind of what that was. That's
0: great. That's good. So you sort of answered my, I was going to ask you, what would happen, uh, what What do people expect if they come to your church? What would they see? Would it be, um, would they expect a heavy metal service or is it regular contemporary service?
1: What would they expect? It's, it's, uh, <clears throat> my church is almost like a street ministry. Yeah. We have a lot of homeless guys. There's no metal. Yeah. You know, I, I'm playing acoustic guitar right now with a couple other guys and a bass player. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've had drums. I've done that whole thing as well. Oh, yeah. Just right now, I just don't have, you know, I'm, I haven't found the guys to do it. It's a it's a fairly small church. Yeah. Uh, I'm a Calvary Chapel, so I just preach right, yeah. through the Bible one verse at a time. You know, I'm, I'm in Romans 14 this Sunday. Mm-hmm. You know, I go through, I'm actually going through the New Testament chronologically. Yeah which is very interesting for me as a pastor because it really kind of to me it ties it in so much better yeah. just like I read the Old Testament chronologically as well yeah. so it's not so all over the place yeah. so it's it's just a straight up Bible teaching church we have we have newborns all the way to a gal that just turned 101 oh, in
0: February wow
1: so it's it's a multi general church you know I, we don't have kids ministry it's just we all sit together with the families I like that we have a lot of bachelor guys there it's, it's you know a lot of Microsoft guys it's a very it's like, it's like my record. It's very eclectic. Yeah, I like that.
0: <laughs> I'll have to come down and uh, drop in for sure. For sure. Um, yeah, please do. yeah, I'm not too far away. Okay, so do you have any final words for our listeners?
1: Um, final words. I guess my final word is always Jesus. That's the final word because yeah. he is the final Amen. word. I mean, I, I do what I do because of Jesus. Uh, Bloodgate has always been a ministry first and a band second. Uh, I always want to encourage those musicians out there, Christian musicians, to be the best player you can be. Rehearse, practice, but don't make it about that. Make it about sharing the gospel and being real and talking to your fans afterwards. And that's where a lot of that stuff really, really starts to happen. And uh, just keep your eyes on Jesus. Whether you're an, you're an accountant or you're an IT guy, it's you know you're there to bring glory to Him. You know whether you're sitting in a cubicle or out farming, toiling yeah. fields or something. Yeah. Even that, you do the glory of God. I mean, we can give people a glass of water, right, to the glory of God. So I always just encourage people in that, you know. Just stay faithful to what God's called you to do. And if he's got something else for you, he'll let you know in his time. But stay faithful to what you're doing. Be a great husband. Be a great wife. Be a great brother, a great friend, a great sister, whatever it is. And let God just guide your path, man, and he will. Amen. Thank you so much.